0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Good morning everyone. It's really great to have you all here this Sunday morning. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we really thank you as we come to the book Psalms that we can look at Psalm chapter 1 and chapter 2. We pray for ourselves that as we understand Psalm 1 and 2 You help us to understand more how to read the Psalms, but not just how to read the Psalms, but who you are and who Jesus is and why it is such a great assurance to us as we continue to have strong faith in Him. And we pray for all these things in name Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, today uh, I want to ask you uh, for our polling question, uh, what games you really enjoy Playing, right? Board games, card games. So some of you might enjoy playing chess. I play, enjoy playing chess. Some of you might play, uh, board games. Some of you might play Scrabble. So today I'm gonna ask you a quick, uh, poll, uh, where basically I wanna ask you, uh, what board game or card game do you like to play? So this is just a, a quick general question. You can just sort of fill it out and then we can, uh, show the results. So you can see from the results that uh, quite a lot of you enjoy playing board games, and I think it's wonderful. So what happened uh, during the circuit breaker was that uh, I really wanted to play board games with my family. So we started playing this uh, new board game, which I happened to buy, and I enjoyed it quite a lot. Now, what's the first thing you do when you get a new board game? Well, what you need to do is you need to read the instructions. So... You know, you can actually go to YouTube now, there are these how-to videos, there, you can read the instruction manual, you can read the instruction guide. Now today as we come to the book of, uh, one and two, uh, book of Psalms, and we look at Psalms one and two, we're gonna look at Psalms one and two, because Psalms one and two, in a sense, form like the instruction manual, the how-to guide, the directions to understanding and reading the book of Psalms. So let's uh, get straight into the passage because obviously they've got two books, so it's going to be a little bit of time. So the passage begins by saying uh, "Blessed, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law, day and night. Now, in this first section, uh, it actually tells us about the blessed person. The blessed person is basically someone who is very fortunate, someone who has things good. Uh, you may even say like he's lucky, right, in the sense, but we don't believe in luck as Christians. But, you know, he's a, he's a fortunate person. This person has the good life. And in Psalm chapter one, it begins in the first three verses by telling us that the blessed person, the one who has a good life, is the one, first of all, in the negative sense, who does not walk in the step with the wicked, he does not stand in the way that sinners take, and he does not sit in the company of mockers. Now, as we can actually see, there's a there's kind of like this poetic progression of identification, of closeness, of influence, right? It's like, you know, when you walk, think of it as a COVID situation, right? You know, when you walk, people, I guess you're not that close, so, you know, sometimes if you're jogging, you don't wear a mask, but if you stand close together, definitely you have to wear a mask. If you sit together with each other, then you're definitely in close relationship. And that's what this passage is trying to show us. He's trying to say, look, uh, the first thing you'll do if you're the blessed person is that you are not to be close to people who are sinners, mockers, and the wicked. I call them the wicked company. So I've got some funny uh, virtual uh, slides here. So you can sort of get the picture, isn't it? Because if you walk, okay, some of these are famous pictures, if you walk with people, there's a sense of identification. Okay, So you all can guess who this group of people are. You can't then uh, ask someone. If you stand, amongst a group of people, and obviously you're all alike, then obviously, again, there's a sense of common identification. And again, if you sit, then you are really, really close together. So as we look very at this very first uh, verses of the book of Psalms, it speaks to us as not to be identified with the wicked company, not to be influenced or to be close with them, to avoid them. But rather than to actually be identify with the wicked company, what are we meant to do? Well, the passage went on to tell us that we are to delight and to meditate on the law of God or the word of God or the way of God. So the negative is don't hang around or be influenced by the wicked company, but instead be influenced and walk in a sense, be shaped by delighted and meditate on the way of God, the law of God, and the word of God. So once again, uh if you can think of it this way, uh okay, I've got this special effect here, but don't don't be distracted by it. Delight and meditate are two different words, right? Two different words. Okay, meditate and delight, okay. Don't worry about all the the uh all the stuff that's happening around me. But meditate and delight basically are two different things. So to delight is the idea of to find joy in, to look forward to something. That's what delight is. Uh, to meditate is the idea of to use your mind, to reflect on, and to apply. So uh, what it's actually saying is, instead of being influenced by the negative, wicked company, we are to delight and love the way of the Lord. We are to reflect and to think, of the way of the lord now as we come to this passage there it seems very clear that there are two options for the blessed person there's the way of the negative wicked company or there is the way of the positive way of the lord now as we then move on to the next image the bible says once you have those options then the danger is that if you choose the wrong option, then you have the wrong destiny. So the first option of being a blessed person would lead you to being one like a tree planted by streams of water whose fruit is yielded in season and whose leaf does not wither and everything they do prospers. Now here is a picture of life here is a picture of uh, prosperity in a sense here is a picture of fruitfulness fecundity but not so the wicked the Bible says because the wicked it says I lack Shaf uh, shaft is um, actually what is the skin of grain uh, it's like you know when you have bread uh, bread is made from grain and grain itself uh, is is actually extracted in the skin The shaft is discarded and thrown away. So here is a picture of shaft. Shaft is like this. So uh, we see the picture of grain. Now the grain itself is processed, and then when you process the grain, you leave behind all the shaft, which is like the um the the, the skin of the grain. You extract the, the grain inside, but you throw away the outside skin, which is a shaft. And usually today, if you look at big commercial operations, when they throw away the shaft, it looks like this. It's a big pile of shaft here. And that's a picture of worthlessness. So what we see here today is that the wise person will recognize the different destinies and they will choose to follow the right path so that they would be full of fruitfulness like the tree rather than like the shaft. So if you look at the PowerPoint, you can actually see if you follow the way of the Lord, then what will happen is you will be like this tree planted by streams of water. It's a picture of life, vitality, and fruitfulness. If you follow the way of the wicked, you walk, you sit, and you stand with the wicked. Then you end up like shaft. Now, why is it like this? Why the two destinies? Why the two destinations? Well, if you look at the passage again, uh, the last part of the verse will tell us. In verse 6 is the key verse uh, to understanding why there are two destinies. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, this word here, watches over, is a very, very important word. I think in the ESV, for those of you who are using your ESV Bibles, it actually says uh, knows, knows. But whether it's the word know or watch over, it gives us the idea of the sense in which God is watching over you or knows you in a caring way. Uh, He's knowing you with approval, with love, with affection. And so, therefore, it's not a, in terms of works, right? It's not as if you're working your way uh, towards this righteousness. It is because you are one of the righteous. You are one of the righteous people of God. And therefore, God watches over you. Now, when we look at this passage uh, as Christians, it actually fills us with a lot of encouragement because we see that actually we ourselves uh, do not do the work, so to speak. But the work has been done for us in Jesus Christ. You see, God watches over us. He cares for us. He protects us. He knows us with approval. He knows us with affection because we are one of the righteous. Now we know that we ourselves cannot perfectly love God and do all the things that he wants us to do. We cannot be perfectly righteous before God. There will be times where we are influenced by the wicked or the sinner, or the mocker. But we know in the New Testament that in the person of Jesus, he is the one who has actually fulfilled Psalm chapter 1. He is the blessed man in a sense because he is righteous in every way. Because we know that Jesus is the one who follows the Lord God perfectly in everything he did. And we also know that Jesus lived a righteous life. He didn't sin. He was, in every sense, able to walk the path that God wanted him to walk. And therefore, in the New Testament, uh, it tells us that Jesus obeyed his father's commands and forever remains in his love. And so therefore, Jesus is the righteous one. And Jesus himself teaches us righteousness like in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon of the Mount. So what we do now as Christians is as we read Psalm chapter 1, we see that Jesus is the blessed righteous one. And as we read Psalm chapter 1, we see that in Jesus and through Jesus, we are able to be the righteous people whom God watches over. And that's wonderful, isn't it? Because through Jesus Christ and in Jesus, we are the ones that God looks at favorably. But I think there's more than that. Because what it teaches us, therefore, is that the way that we walk, the way that we stand, the way that we sit, it's not with the wicked, the wicked in the world, the wicked company of the world, but rather we sit and stand and walk in Jesus And how do we do that? Through the teaching of the book of Psalms. As we follow the book of Psalms and as we read it in Jesus and through Jesus, we then are truly living the righteous life, the way of living right before God. So I want to uh, do a quick poll of you. As we have just come in this very short section here in the book of Psalms, it presents us with a decision. And the decision is, who do you walk with? Who do you stand with? Who do you sit with? Who influences you? Who is your identification? Is it with the wicked of the world? Or is it in Jesus Christ, in the wisdom that we find in him? So I'm going to ask you to do this quick poll now. Are you walking, standing, or sitting in the way of wicked company, or Jesus? Which ones do you keep company with? Which ones influence you more? Right. So just spend a moment to uh, answer that. I think it's good to reflect on um, what actually influences you. Now, this is anonymous. Obviously, all the answers. So just answer honestly. The, you know, you all know what the right answer is. But it's it's important for us to reflect on what really influences us. I, what we identify with, what we are close to, and ask ourselves, is this the right way that we should be living? Because what is our destiny Therefore, Okay, so just quickly fill that out, and then I can show you the results. I'm really um, encouraged to see that you're doing this in a thoughtful way. You're obviously answering this in a lot more thoughtful way than uh, what board games or card games you like to play, which shows that you're actually applying what uh, the Bible is saying. So, think carefully about who really influences you and answer honestly. So here you can actually see that um, we are influenced by many different things. And quite a few of you have answered uh, honestly that you are influenced uh, and identify with uh, wicked worldly friends, perhaps the media, or even sinful things that lead you away from Jesus Christ. Now, as we come to uh, this passage, it's really important to reflect on where our destiny will be. Uh, Because at the end of the day, based on what influences us, whether it's Jesus speaking to us through the Psalms or our wicked friends, then we can either end up like being like this tree planted by the river, which is full of life and vitality, or whether we will end up like this, big mound of shaft which is worthless and destined for destruction. So Psalms gives us a choice, right? Will you listen to Jesus in the Psalms? Or will you listen to the world and end up like the shaft? Let's now move on uh, to Psalm chapter 2 because Psalm chapter 2 and Psalm chapter 1 are actually connected together and I'll show you how and why uh, as we go along. Now, Let's look through Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Now, a few important things that we need to take note of here. Uh, First thing is, again, as uh, we've seen in Psalm chapter 1, there's, there's a bit of poetry happening. So here it talks about the nations, and then the peoples, and then the kings, and then the rulers. So we see here, like there's this progression from the mass of people to the most powerful of people, from the pinnacle of society to the, the masses. Right? They are all conspiring and plotting and rising up and banding together against, it says here, the Lord, the Lord as in God, Yahweh God, and his anointed, which is his king, right? Anointing was the way that they appointed their kings. And what do they want to do as they rise up, the nations, the peoples, the kings, and the rulers? They want to break the chains and throw off the shackles of God and his king. Now, as we read this together with Psalm chapter 1, what it's basically saying is uh, these people, uh, the wicked, the sinners, the mockers, they want to break free from God. They want freedom from God. They want freedom from God's law, and they want freedom from God's righteousness. Now, as we look with Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 together, we can see how easy it is, therefore, for God's people to stand, to walk, and to sit among the wicked because it seems as if the world itself is in rebellion against God. And if the world itself is in rebellion against God, then how easy it is for God's people to find their identity in the world of the wicked, the world of the wicked company. So, as we... Look at this first section. This is the state of the world that we find ourselves in. What is God's reaction to the state of this world which is full of people who are rebelling, rejecting, rising up in rebellion against God? Verse 4 to 9. The one And throne in heaven, laughs. He scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son today, I'll become your father. Ask me and I'll make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Now you'll see here that there is again a progression of images. God laughs. God scoffs. God rebukes. God terrifies. Uh, now, it's almost like a, a progression of, uh, it's almost as if, the psalmist gives God human emotions, right? And the human emotion shows a progression. Laughing, scoffing, rebuking, and terrifying. Now, as we look at this passage, I think there is um, a, a sense in which as God, it's almost as if God hears of their rebellion first, and then these are the, this is the reaction of God to the news of people rebelling against him. So the first thing happens is God laughs when he hears that his creatures, the human beings, are rebelling against him. He's like, huh? I can't understand what's happening. I, I, I don't, this is astonishing, right? So the people are revolting. They're rising up. So God laughs and scoffs. So what does it mean to laugh and scoff? It's like, you know, an expression of uh, shock and astonishment, like how can this be, right? how can the people that God created rise up and reject the Creator? And then God rebukes and terrifies. So it's almost like um, uh, if you watch uh, like Jurassic Park, okay, so you remember Jurassic Park? And in Jurassic Park, uh, in all the movies, you always see how the people are terrified of the dinosaurs, right? They are all like, really shaking in their boots against the dinosaurs. And so in the same way, what is happening here is that God himself is, is almost like responding, we see in real time, to the rebellion of the world. He laughs at them. He scoffs at them like, what are you guys doing? And then he rebukes them and terrifies them because now he gets angry. And what does he say? He says, that he has installed his king on Zion. Okay, so this is his anointed. He tells us that his anointed king is his son. He also tells us that this son has the power of making the nations, his inheritance, the ends of the earth, his possession. He will break them with rods of iron and dash them to pieces like pottery. Now, what we actually see here is a description of this king. right? So God's angry, then he describes the anointed king. The first thing we learn about this king is he is a supernatural king. He is a divine king. He is not a human king. He is actually God's son. So, the world may think that it can rebel against a human king, but this is not a human king. This is a supernatural king. This is God's son himself. He was there at the creation of the world. He is a universal king. He, he rules the whole world, right? To the ends of the earth are his possession. And he is an angry king when he judges because he breaks the world, or it punishes people with a rod of iron. So it's imagine, like, um, I'm sure in your house, you you know accidents happen, like you break plates, cups, uh, pottery. You know when you drop a cup or a plate in the floor, it smashes, right? So you imagine you get an iron bar, and you smash a glass, or you get an iron bar, you smash a plate, or you get an iron bar, you smash a pot. Uh, that is the image of the power of this king. He is divine and supernatural. He is universal in his rule. And when he judges, he is angry and destructive. Now, if God is like this, if God's king is undue with this sort of power, then what must the world, the peoples, the kings, and the rulers do? Well, in verse 10, to verse 12, it says, Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord of fear, celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Now, If you look at this uh, passage, you can actually see that instead of rebelling and rising up and rejecting God and His King, what should they do? They should serve the Lord, they should celebrate His rule, and they should kiss His Son. Now, this image of serving, celebrating, and kissing, how does kissing come into this? right? You know, kissing in the world we live in is like... it's like an act of love. It's like, an, you know, it can only be an erotic imagery. But, you know, in the olden world, uh, when you look at the past, uh, this idea of kissing is actually uh, so it's idea, the idea of submission. Right? Instead of rejecting and rebelling and rising up against God, King, and the Anointed One, you are to respect, give reverence take refuge in this king. So even today, uh, okay, this is the Pope, and you know, see people kiss uh, the, the, the ring of the Pope. In a sense, what are you doing when well, you kiss the ring of the Pope? You are giving him respect, right? In a sense, you're giving him reverence. So in the same way as we look at this passage, it's saying kiss the son and take refuge in him. Right. respect the Son, give reverence to the Son, take refuge in Him. Now, as we've been going through um, the, the Psalm chapter 1, you'll see that in Christ, we see the fulfillment of Psalm 1, and in Christ, we see the fulfillment of Psalm chapter 2. Because, as we have seen, when we hear of Jesus, in Psalm chapter 1, it tells us This is the blessed, righteous Jesus. In Psalm chapter 2, it is telling us to take refuge in Jesus. And Psalm tells us how to take refuge in this King Jesus. Now, we have seen in the New Testament that Jesus is indeed God's obedient son. He is the one that truly is obedient to him. And he is the one who is the divine Supernatural one. In Mark, we really learned that. We also see in Hebrews that he is the powerful king, right? He's superior than the angels. He's very powerful. You don't mess with this king. And we also see in the book of Revelation, this picture of how he actually rules with an iron scepter, the image of power and destruction when he is angry, and he executes the fury of the wrath of God. So as we come now to the end of Psalm chapter 2, we see that Psalm chapter 2 is like an instruction manual. It tells us that as we come to the book of Psalm, we come to the book of Psalm with the attitude of reverencing, respecting, and taking refuge in the King of God, Jesus And with that attitude, we can then understand the book of Psalm and apply it to our life. I want to point out to you something really, really interesting, uh, which binds together both Psalm chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 2. There are two repeated themes of blessed and destruction. So it begins In Psalm chapter 1, by saying, now this one you have to pay attention, right? Blessed is the one who does not walk, stand, sit in the way of the wicked, but rather follows the way of the Lord in Jesus Christ. That's what we know to the New Testament, right? As we come to the very end of, psalm chapter 2 i want you to notice the same thing it says blessed is the one who takes refuge in jesus christ so psalm chapter 1 says blessed is the one who follows the way of righteousness in the lord jesus psalm chapter 2 says blessed is the one who takes refuge in jesus at the very same time there is this theme of destruction okay so i'll make destruction in red okay So, Psalm chapter 1, it says, the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Right. So, if you choose not to follow the way of the righteous in Jesus, then you follow the way of the wicked, which leads to destruction. In Psalm chapter 2, it says something very similar as well. It says, again, Or, if you do not choose to respect and revere the Son, your way will lead to destruction. So as we sum up Psalm chapter 1 and 2, as we look at the instruction manual, so to speak, to reading the book of Psalms, it's actually very simple. As we come to the book of Psalms, we are presented with the choice of following the way of righteousness found in Jesus. We are invited to take refuge in Jesus, the King. And as we have that attitude and as we read through the attitude, we will understand the book of Psalms for ourselves. But if you do not have the right attitude, then it offers us a terrible, terrible destiny. Destruction. If you choose to follow the way of the wicked, you will be like shaft, worthless and destroyed in judgment. If you follow to the way of those who reject and rebel and rise up against God's law and righteousness, again, you will also be destroyed. So, face with those choices, my hope and prayer is that for all of us, we will make the right choice. We will follow the way of righteousness in Jesus, and we will take refuge in Jesus the King. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly want to thank you for the book of Psalms and we thank you for Psalm chapter 1 and 2. We pray for each and every one of us here today that we will not make the wrong choice, that we will be the blessed people. We will be those who are fortunate. We will be those who lead the good life, who have the good things. And we will be those who are blessed because we follow the way of the righteous in Jesus. We will be blessed because we take refuge in Jesus, the supernatural, universal, divine King. Dear Father, we know that we live in a world where nations, peoples, rulers, and kings rise up against you and your rule and your law and your righteousness. But help us to not stand with them to not walk with them and to not sit with them. But as we open the book of Psalms, rather help us to walk and stand and sit in the way of righteousness which is shown to us in those words and to see how all the more we can follow the way of righteousness found in Jesus. And we pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen.